Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Liberty Magazine contains many incredible articles written by men and women passionate about maintaining religious liberty worldwide. Not long ago, the magazine featured an article concerning slavery, and many were moved by its words, including the magazine editor, Lincoln Steed. We did a show on that article called Steal Away a couple of months ago, and Lincoln would like to revisit that topic today. Lincoln, what's on your heart? Well, What's on my heart is music. I love music. Mm, me too, yes. <laughs> and and Steal Away, of course, is a, is a wonderful, yes. they used to call them Negro spirituals. Yeah. And, you know, I'm from another country. I grew up in, in Australia, which is becoming a distant memory, even though I visit there <laughs> almost every year. Yeah. But as far as my living there, a distant sure. memory. I was sure. 16 when I left, and I won't even say how many decades ago. <laughs> But, you know, even at that far removed from the United States, we were very uh, appreciative of the uh, Negro spirituals, the music of that slave era, which, of course, is very spiritual. Yes, it's it not, not a, a misnomer. The religion, the growing Christian faith of the slave population was amazing, and amazing from many points of view. Why did it establish itself that way? These people that mostly came from Ghana and, and, and a few associated areas were not likely to be Christians. Some of them may even have been Muslims, mm -hmm. although I've hardly read anything on it. And many, if not most of them, animus or, or other traditional religions of Africa. Here they were held in slavery. Their rights were taken away. Their freedom gone. Their social situation horrible, where they were often married by the slave owner's choice to someone. And then, depending on the need to sell, either their children were sold away or their wife would be sold away. I mean, that's just cultural genocide. So in the middle of all of this, a strong Christian faith arose. I mean, it's admirable, yes. but quite remarkable. When this faith began to bubble to the surface, do you think perhaps they were reflecting the faith that they heard their masters talking about? That they, I'm sure they went to churches sometimes and took care of the kids as the masters sat up front enjoying it. Maybe, they, maybe it soaked into their, into their consciousness. Well, I'm not unaware, and even in Australia as a kid, I wasn't unaware that there was sort of a subtext to a lot of these spiritual yeah. steal away, yeah. you know. Yes. Going away quietly, yes. secretly to worship somewhere. Yeah. Uh, crossing over Jordan was their their escape route sometimes, but mm. always there was the subtext of, of spiritual escape from slavery. That, Nobody knows the trouble I've seen, absolutely. Right. Yeah. You couldn't separate someone's uh, immediate reality from their spiritual aspirations. Mm. And I think Christianity supplied a very correct and, and appropriate and, and uh, marvelous dynamic to to comfort them in this situation. Yeah. And I think that's the power of Christianity. It's not just another God, another religious story. It's a story of redemption and escape and, and, and a new world that's promised right. and so on. Yeah. So this must have been very attractive yeah. to these enslaved peoples. And as you told our listeners at the beginning, we ran a very good story not that long ago, a very long article, and that's probably why I want to revisit it. Yes. <laughs> there was so much in it. And it's worth remarking the role of religion in the slave experience. 
Of course, religion was used as a justifying, or at least a false Christian theology was used often to justify the whole uh, procedure. Mm -hmm. But it was false, because the nearest you can come in, in Christianity is is an acknowledgement, you know, to slave to obey their masters and so on, because we're not called to be rebels. Right. But it never says that slavery is an admirable institution. But something that's worth remembering for those that like their history, that even at the establishment of the American Republic, 20% of the entire population of the 13 colonies was slave. Mm. It puts the lie to a lot of the grand statements of freedom and so on. And, and my personal view is that only escaped deeper scrutiny because the, the logic of the times was on property. Yes, People have forgotten that life, liberty, the original construct that they inherited from the English philosophers was property instead of happiness. Mm -hmm. And the Constitution itself is really a corporate document of ownership. So once you accept that, you hear there are people that are chattels and so they were given a, a value in that regard. So you're saying that life, liberty, and the pursuit of property was the way it was originally written? Yes. Okay, all right. Okay. The word was not happiness. Okay, all right. And talking about original wording, many people don't know this. Thomas Jefferson, who they generally know, authored the Declaration of Independence. They didn't know that there was a difference in his earlier drafts. He wrote this wording in the original draft. It was taken out. It says, of the King of England, he has waged cruel war against human nature itself, violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of a distant people who never offended him, captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere, or to incur miserable death in their transportation thither. This piratical warfare, this opprobrium of infidel powers, oh. is the warfare of the Christian King of Great Britain determined to keep open a market where men should be bought and sold. He has prostituted his negative for suppressing every legislative attempt to prohibit or restrain this execrable commerce. My, my. <laughs> and this from a slave owner, I understand. Yes, that's the unfortunate yeah, part of it. Okay. He had as many as 600 slaves during his lifetime, usually 100 on his property. Mm -hmm. But there's other evidence, too. He did not like the uh, institution. Mm -hmm but he didn't have the sense of power to overcome it. That's really what was going on. I was going to say he didn't have the guts. But, you know, at different times and different places, yeah. people may feel that there's just no way that they could do anything. Yeah. He, he himself was tied up to the system. There, there wouldn't have been a union if they'd insisted on this. The 13 colonies were only loosely affiliated at mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. There are only excuses. They're not good reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone should have opposed it. But yeah. it was sort of, it's been said that it's the original sin of America. As historian James Norton wrote, this is his exact quote, slavery wasn't a sideshow in American history, it was the main event. Oh. Oh. Well, okay, so we have this main event taking place. What did the article bring out that we should know? History. We need to know that it was a bubbling, boiling issue of deep morality and mm. Christian Morality really demanded and still demands an acknowledgement and a response on this. Now, still demands. What do you mean by still demands? Haven't we overcome this yet? I think events since the the yeah. last election show not. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I think the the uh, African American presidency of our last president has sort of awakened some negative uh, racist feelings. Mm -hmm. Ironically. President Obama is a real African-American president. Yes. I mean, his, his roots were not 
in American slavery. You know, he was straight from Africa. Yeah. And of course, it always amused me. We talk about a black president. You could just as easily say a white president. Sure. He's 50% sure. white, 50% yeah. black. Yeah. But as America's racial laws and then picked up by other countries like Germany have shown, things like that tend to be you know, a small matter of blood. Yeah. <laughs> the designation follows someone way into a, a stage when even around the time of the Civil War, there were many people that lived as whites, but when they looked at their ancestry, yes, you're black. Well, it's yeah. Yeah. sort of a foolish notion that is not so easily seen nowadays. Well, now we have uh, four minutes left on the program. Give us some conclusions that that article brought, because you, you really liked that article, didn't you? Yeah, I think I've got time to read this. Okay. An educated former slave from Boston named Prince Hall petitioned in 1777 the Massachusetts military governor seeking the abolition of slavery. And this is what they said. Very interesting. It says, they have in common with all other men a natural and inalienable right to that freedom which the great parent of the universe has bestowed equally on all mankind, and that every principle from which America has acted in the course of their unhappy difficulties with Great Britain pleads stronger than a thousand arguments in favor of the anti-slavery petitioners, and they therefore humbly beseech that your honors give this petition its due weight and consideration and cause an act of the legislature to be passed whereby they may be restored to the enjoyments of that which is the natural right of all men and their children who were born in this land of liberty not be held as slaves. Now, what year is this again? 1777. 1777. And it was denied, of course. So the views that bubbled up later were always there, both, as we saw with Jefferson, in the slave owner and the slave himself. The idea that they were happy in their state is nonsense, nonsensical. People might have been resigned at a given moment to make the best of a situation, but I don't think it was ever accepted by the people who were enslaved. And, and But, you know, even if they were treated well, they right. were deprived yeah. of what should have been theirs, full freedom of mind and spirit. And the real Christian, the true Christian, we should not be happy if they are in that state. Am I right saying that? Yeah. That's why I'm making the connection. Yes. Spirituality, Christianity would argue strongly against the situation then, and it would argue equally strongly now that we treat people as fellow human beings and not drift into marginalizing people, as I think is happening, not just with ex-slaves now, even with uh, strangers from other countries who are from other races. They're they're being treated, and I think very often regarded as as sort of uh, lesser humans. And our churches should be rising up on this thing, Lincoln. We should be standing up and talking. Yeah. Wow. And we're not. Why aren't we? Well, we need to have another program. On that. Yeah. It's, sort of, it's got to do with the Garden of Eden and a certain serpent, I think. And, yeah. Okay. And a tendency towards sin that we all share. <laughs> but you know what? In that same garden came the answer, and you know what it is, and you can share it with us now. Jesus Christ. Oh, and uh, the, the, the liberating ideas that he came, you know, he, he was proclaiming liberty yes. throughout the land. Yeah. And when he stood up there in Nazareth and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Okay, what I'm hearing you say, and I want our listeners to make sure they understand it, because I hear it loud and clear, and I want them to hear it too, is that if we have feelings in our hearts 
against another culture, against another race, against another skin color, we are not listening to the right voice in our hearts. Am I right in saying that? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, obviously there are differences in cultures, but we need to respect that we're we're common children of God, all back to one God, and uh, that we all have the same inherent dignity and right to life and liberty. And if we stomp our foot and say, this is not right, no matter whether our church is doing it or not, no matter whether our government's doing it or not, if we stomp our foot and say, this is not right, and I'm going to say something about it, then we are listening to the right voice from Eden. Am I right? Absolutely. And you've made a good point. It's not always the state that has these wrong attitudes. Sometimes it's even the church. Oh, my, my. Or people within the church, maybe more accurately. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. I invite you, listener, to libertymagazine.org. You'll hear lots of good discussions about this on our radio programs that are available there, as well as the articles you can read there, Lincoln's blogs there. That's where I go first, read Lincoln's blogs. There's some videos there for you to enjoy, all kinds of good resources to help you learn how to stomp your foot, because we need to stand up for what we know to be right. Thank you, Lincoln, for that. And until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Lincoln Steed, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at the same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today.